Coming up next, which D-backs do we want to see more of in 2022 and which D-backs do we want to see less? Discussing that next. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Follow the show accounts, Locked on Diamondbacks. Just search them up on Twitter and Instagram. We're on YouTube as well well locked on Diamondbacks, so check us out on there and also thank you for making locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day i would not be able to do this podcast without you my loyal listeners sharing subscribing reviewing doing all that so i could do this podcast for you thank you it's free and available on all platforms so please continue to tell your friends today i want to do a little game discussing which d-backs players do you want to see more and less of in 2022 and to do that i'm going to steal a game from highly questionable back when they had poppy on the show because i used to love watching the show it's called See or No, and basically we're going to go through different D-backs players and decide whether yes or no, do we want to see more of that player in 2022 to end the season? Because it's that point of the D-back season where they're not really in the wild card race. We're not really playing for anything. So at this point, it's like, let's get the youth movement going. Let's see, you know, guys who might be on audition for next year, potential free agents. So we're going to play a game, see or no, guys you want to see more or less of for the rest of the 2022 season. So let's start off. And the first guy, we're going to start off easy, Sergio Alcantara, and he gets a no because who wants to see more of Sergio? I just feel like he's not a very good player. I feel like he doesn't really have any purpose on this Diamondbacks team, and he's mostly just taking away at bats from young guys. Like the D-backs released him or traded him, whatever they did in the middle of the season, and then they brought him back off waivers from the San Diego Padres. Like this is someone that's been cut multiple times throughout his career, hasn't really been able to stick anywhere, and it's not a surprise why. His numbers offensively have just been kind of terrible throughout his major league career he doesn't really seem like a pretty solid major league player um he can make some incredible defensive highlights but then he also makes some low lights so i really don't understand why alcantara is on this team i would rather see his at bats and playing time and opportunities go to a guy like buddy kenny so alcantara do we want to see more of you in 2022 that's a no next up Jake McCarthy and Jake McCarthy gets a C because who does not want to see more of Jake McCarthy this season he's only like 25 this man is 6'2 215 well built and I totally forgot about this I didn't even realize this until this past week Jake McCarthy was the D-backs first round pick back in 2018 so this is a guy with some pedigree as well and it's like why would you not want to see um, a bigger sample size from Jake McCarthy because he's been really good the last month and a half and one of the better D-backs players offensively at the plate over the last month and a half and I want to see if that's real. No more David Peralta. Like David, uh, like Jake McCarthy should be your go-to platoon guy, left-handed at bat when you have a right-handed pitcher on the mound because we know Tori Lavello loves those cross matchups and Jake McCarthy, with the way he's swinging the bat, his pedigree, his build, like he should be the go-to platoon guy against right-handed pitching um, when Tori Lavello wants to do those cross matchups. So let's get more Jake McCarthy in the lineup because... 
Did you know Jake McCarthy with men on this season? He's batting 273 with a 711 OPS. Like, that's solid for Jake McCarthy, considering he's only played 50 games. Like, Jake McCarthy has played as many games this season as Cooper Hummel. They both played 50 games. Like, that should not be the case. Jake McCarthy should clear Cooper Hummel when it comes to games played. So let's get McCarthy more in the lineup. And also, with two outs, Jake McCarthy batting 296 with 789 OPS. This is someone that steps up when the pressure's on. Men on the bases, two outs. This guy steps up. So I like Jake McCarthy. Yes, we want him in the lineup more for the rest of 2022. How about Jose Herrera? I just feel like I'm picking on a bunch of D-backs players when I say no, but Herrera is going to get a no. And it's not because he's not like a serviceable backup third string catcher because that's what Jose Herrera is. And one of the reasons why I don't really want to see more of him is because like I'll rather give that position player spot to another different kind of young guy. You know, we've already mentioned Buddy Candy, um, you know, the Seth Beers of the world who's on the major league uh, roster right now. Like, let's go find other young position players in our system that, could have a future with the team because right now Jose Herrera like does he really have a future with the D-backs like we got Carson Kelly a right-handed batter and we also have Dalton Varcher who could play catcher as a left-handed batter like I don't think you need three catchers on the major league level when you have Dalton Varsho that could do both and worst comes to worst if there's like an emergency type situation where both Varso and Carson Kelly get hurts and there's no Jose Herrera already on the roster then guess what I'm sure Jordan Luplo could throw on some catching gear and go catch a few balls behind the plate like he, he's played basically every position on the diamond already so I just don't think I need a Jose Herrera just randomly going into the lineup and taking bats away from other people I got Carson Kelly playing catcher and 70% on the time in the days where Tori Lavella wants to rest him or maybe you just want to get a left-handed catcher, you know, at the plate for that right-handed pitching matchup. Then you do Dalton Varsho, who is an incredible offensive player. And then guess what? With Dalton Varsho playing catcher against right-handed pitching, you know what that means? You could put Jake McCarthy in the outfield now. So that solves two problems that the D-backs have. So no more Jose Herrera. I like you. You're third string catcher. You've been serviceable this year. You're probably better at calling games than even a Dalton Varsho, but Dalton Varsho can do stuff with his at-bat that you just could never do, Jose Herrera, and it's not like you're one of the Molina brothers behind the plate either. So I'd rather Jose Herrera not get too many more opportunities the rest of 2022. And then the last guy in this segment that I want to talk about for C or no is Cooper Hummel, and he's, of course, getting a no because, listen, Cooper Hummel, he's crushing it on the AAA level. 310 average, 950 OPS. I think he has like an 18-game on-base streak in the minors. Like, Cooper Hummel is a great minor league player, and that's one of the reasons why I don't want to see him get more opportunity because I think he's a quad-A player. I think he's someone that's too good for AAA but not really good enough for the major league level because so far in the MLB this year, 171 average and 570 OPS for Cooper Hummel, just not good enough on the major league level. Plus, he's someone that's like 27 years old already. Like, I think Cooper Hummel probably is who he is at this point, and it was just terrible value for Escobar. Like, I don't understand why Mike Hazen wanted Cooper Hummel back in the Eduardo Escobar deal. We probably should have got a couple dart throws back in, you know, in terms of pitchers or at least some young guys around 1920. Like, I know I was mad at the David Peralta trade because we got back an 18-year-old rookie ball catcher, but that's mostly because we got back a catcher who we won't see for 70 years. But if we traded Eduardo Escobar and got back an 18-year-old catcher and maybe another young pitcher as well, like, I wouldn't have mind that. But to get back Cooper Hummel, who's like ready to play right now, is not exactly even that good like I'm not too sure why Mike Hazen wanted to pull off that trade for Eduardo Escobar like Cooper Hummel so far this year 
when he's ahead in the count. Not when he's behind in the count. When Cooper Hummel is ahead in the count, he's got a 188 average and a 313 slugging percentage. Like, that is terrible. Like, even Jose Herrera, the catcher, is batting 276 with a 723 OPS when he's ahead in the count. Like, most players, when they're ahead of the count, have an inflated batting average. Usually, they have an average still above 250, and... Their OPS is pretty solid, and they could get on base and stuff like that. But for Cooper Hummel, ahead in the count, behind in the count, even count, it does not matter. It does not matter if there's two strikes. It does not matter if there's three balls. Cooper Hummel has not been good at any point this season at the plate. He's been good at drawing walks at one point this season, but he could not hit to save his life, contact for power, whatever it is. So Cooper Hummel, it's a no for me as to whether or not I want to see more playing time from you the rest of the season. Now, for the players that are getting more playing time, I hope they get a boost in playing time. And when I need a boost to start my day, I eat a Built Bar because Built Bars are the perfect boost to start your day because Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber snacks. They're protein bars. And the reason why I love them is because I go to the gym every day. I try to be healthy. I'm trying to lose weight. But my biggest issue is... I have a sweet tooth. I love to eat candy and junk food, but it's okay because Built Bar helps me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar because it's low calorie, low sugar, like I said, but it's covered in 100% real chocolate. It's soft. It's easy to chew. It's absolutely delicious. And right now, they have these things called puff bars, which are the protein bars, but they're also infused with marshmallow and, of course, covered in 100% chocolate as well. It's like a s'mores, basically. They even got, like, cookie dough chunk bars, like... It's absolutely delicious and crazy what Built Bar is able to do right now. So if you want to get your own box of Built Bar, just go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Let's get back into the podcast and let's continue to play see or no. And also, I forgot to put this in um, at the beginning of the pod. I usually do the recaps after D-backs games, but because, like I said, the D-backs really aren't playing for anything at this point in the season. Like, they're playing the Pittsburgh Pirates right now. And it's like, do you guys really want an instant reaction pod to whether the D-backs win or lose against the Pirates? Like, I feel like that's not really interesting content. So I'd rather just talk about interesting things on, you know, during the pod as to opposed to just saying, hey, the game's over. Let's do a reaction to it. Because unless it's like a walk-off against a, like an NL West rival, like the D-backs first game of the se- uh, season against the Padres or Seth Beer had a walk-off, like if it's like a game like that, a moment like that, D-backs take down the Dodgers, they blow them out, big walk-off against the Dodgers, whatever, against the Giants, same thing, then yeah, then we'll do an instant reaction pod after the game, but outside of that, like, I'm probably not going to be recording 11 p.m. instant reaction, D-backs lose 2-0 to the Pittsburgh Pirates, let's talk about it, like, though, that I don't think that's very interesting content, so you'll probably see less reaction pods from me going forward, unless they're against really good teams or against NL West rivals and they have to be interesting games as well because I don't want to just talk about nothing games so now that that's out the way let's get back into the podcast and let's continue our game of see or no and this next one is kind of a cop-out because it's multiplayers here but I just put down 
players from the Granky trade. And we talked a little bit about this on a pod. Was it yesterday or the other day? But we talked about how we want to see more of the players from the Zach Granky trade just because we just don't know enough about those players outside of Josh Rojas. Let me put a disclaimer here. I'm not talking about Josh Rojas. I'm talking about Corbin Martin, J.B. Braskakis, and Seth Beer because Seth Beer, let me first start with him. Back during last season, during the 2021 season, Seth Beer excuse me, had a little burp there, had a cup of coffee on the major league level, and he looked really good to end the year. He only played five games, only had nine at-bats, but in those nine at-bats, he had four hits, he had a home run, he had a double, he had three RBIs, like he looked incredible to start, uh, to finish the year in 2021, and then it actually carried over to 2022. If you remember, through his first like 13 games of the year, Seth Beer had like 1,100 OPS, like a three. 50 average or even higher like Seth Beer had to walk off to in the first game of the season he had other big games that changed the D-backs momentum early in the season and basically since like the 13th game of the year Seth Beer has been terrible this season like would I if I told you Seth Beer's numbers on the year entering Monday's game against the Pirates if I told you he had a below a 200 average and below a 550 OPS, would you be shocked or not? Because seriously, the first 11 games of the season, his average was like 390 with like 1100 OPS. And then he's basically only had like four hits in the last like two and a half, three months. Like he fought, he fell off a, something bigger than a cliff like he fell off if if you subscribe to the flat earth theory like he basically fell off earth with how much he cratered um the last couple months and for Seth Beer like I want to know how good is his bat actually is because can he tap back into the guy we saw at the end of last season and the beginning of this season because that's a real offensive player and Seth Beer has crushed minor league pitching at every level he crushed major league pitching at the start of the season but he wasn't able to continue it and I want to know should Christian Walker be a trade piece because of how good Seth Beer is with his bat I know Seth Beer is not considered a great defensive player he's actually probably considered a defensive liability I remember talking to Zach Buchanan like a couple years ago he was like we're not going to see Seth Beer till the universal DH is a thing and the universal DH is a thing but we're still not seeing a bunch of Seth Beer because he was so bad offensively at the plate and maybe he could be the D-backs full-time DH make him a big poppy if his bat's that good but if his bat is never going to live up to the stuff we saw at the end of last season or the beginning of this season, like there's not really a future for Seth Beer because of how bad he is defensively. So I want to see more Seth Beer going forward because if his bat is really that dynamic, then that's a huge cog in the middle of the order they could put at DH. And maybe if you're risky enough, if you're Mike Hazen, you trade Christian Walker because Seth Beer's bat is so good, you don't care about the defensive liability issue that he has. But if his bat is never able to come around, then you're like, he can't hit and you just can't put him at first base defensively either. Then it's like, what do you do with Seth Beer? It just becomes like, you know, basically a platoon guy off the bench for you uh, as a best case scenario. So I want to see more Seth Beer. I want to see more Corbin Martin because this is someone that's had really up and down career. This is someone that was a top 100 prospect, um, maybe considered the best player in that Zach Grinke deal, but he underwent Tommy John surgery right when the D-backs acquired him, and he just hasn't looked phenomenal so far on the major league level. The D-backs have given him a couple opportunities in 2021. He looked absolutely terrible, 19 earned runs in just 16 innings pitch, and this year it hasn't been that bad, but still 12 earned runs in 22 innings pitch for a 4-8-4 ERA. His whip has always been bad because his command is terrible terrible he loves to walk dudes and he's been someone that has like a a profile of someone that should strike out a lot of people but only 8.5 strikeouts per nine this season so it hasn't been crazy for Corbin Martin from the strikeout um department and this is someone that people thought could be maybe not a number one starter but 
a, a legit mid-rotation number two, number three guy in your rotation. So far, Corbin Martin really hasn't shown a ton of that on the major league level. And if you look at his minor league stats, Corbin Martin hasn't exactly lit it up either in AAA. Like so far in AAA this year, he's got a 534 ERA, 9.2 strikeouts per nine, so a little bit better. But he hasn't really dominated AAA since he was with um, the Houston Astros back in 2019. So I want to see if he could get back to form. He's still probably working through some of his injuries and probably more of a confidence thing than anything. So I want him on the major league level because I want him working with Brent Strom to see if he could get back to the guy that showed the flashes in 2019 of being a, of being a mid-rotation starter because if he can't get back to that and Seth Beer's not you know doing anything offensively for you, then this Zach Granke trade will continue to look worse and worse. And that Brings me to the next guy in that in that Zach Greinke trade in J.B. Braskakis because this is someone also that was a top 100 prospect. This is someone also that has a pretty nice pitching arsenal, but he just hasn't been able to, um, one, stay healthy. Like, the dude is always missing games. And then when he was healthy for the D-backs last season, at least 2021, I mean, he also got lit up 15 earned runs and just 17 innings pitch. His strikeout numbers weren't quite there either. And so far, J.B. Braskakis on the minor league level this year has been solid in AAA. Um, in Reno, three ERA flat. Now, the sample size for... Um, JB Braskakis is pretty small, only three earned runs over nine innings pitch, but he's someone who I really like the pitching profile of. He's got pretty nice stuff overall. He can throw a pretty hard fastball, just like a Corbin Martin. Both those guys could kind of sit in the mid 90s when it comes to their fastball, which I like. And he's also got probably better off speed stuff than a Corbin Martin. I think he probably better fits as a reliever, back-end reliever. Like, I see JB Braskakis as a potential, you know, guy that could be a closer for you in the future, but. We won't know till we see him on the major league level. And all three of those guys are just guys who maybe shown flashes in the past. I think Seth Beer has shown the most flashes, but he's also probably, he's also cratered a lot over the last couple of months. Corbin Martin, we saw flashes from him in the minor league level back in 2019, but since Tommy John surgery, hasn't really been good for the D-backs. And J.B. Braskakis, wasn't good in 2021, and he hasn't been able to stay healthy either. So a lot of question marks and red flags surrounding those three players from the Zach Greinke trade. But I want to see what they could do because those are three pretty talented guys. Berskakis and Martin were both top 100 prospects. So those three guys have pedigree, but they haven't been able to put it together. But that's why I want to see them more on the major league level because they're too talented to not at least give the opportunities to on a team that's not going anywhere. So let's see those three guys more for the rest of 2022. And then one guy I'll talk about before we get out of here for segment two is Mark Melanson. I think this is an obvious one. It's a hard no for Melanson. I'm sorry, Mark the Shark. You got a great nickname, but you just haven't been what the D-backs thought you were going to be when they signed you in the offseason. And I just want to give the closing opportunity to Joe Mantiply. I'm sorry, but I want the rest of the season I've talked about to be an audition for Joe Mantiply, or even Ian Kennedy, who's going to be a free agent, because guess what? Ian Kennedy's been pretty solid this year. He's had an up-and-down season, but his ERA's pretty good. He's got closing experience. He's a former D-back. Like, if Ian Kennedy gets more closing opportunity, you know, gets more closing opportunity as the season um, winds down, then maybe we bring him back next year to be the closer. But Mark Melanson, um, he's he just a guy I don't want to see more of, and I actually want to see Mark Melanson um, more in situations that are less stressful, in low leverage situations, because I want to do that in the hopes of raising his value in case he comes back next year so we could then trade Mark Melanson because the value right now for Melanson, if we tried to trade him, we would get absolutely nothing. And if you want to further cement how bad Melanson has been this year, 349 average on batting, av 349 average on balls in play, his BABIP. So 
dudes are just when they hit it basically fair they're getting on base and then if you want a more simple stat a 297 average allowed overall just overall his batting average allowed this season just 297 like basically 300 so that's by far the worst of his career and it's also the first time in his career his ground ball to fly ball ratio is under one since 2010 so basically he's allowing more fly balls than ground balls and he's considered a ground ball pitcher so not good stuff for mark melanson let's see less of him for the rest of the season but i got a couple guys i want to discuss um in segment number three before we wrap up today's pod but if you want to bet on seeing less mark melanson for the rest of 2022 you need to head to betonline.net because it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds lines and games find reviews and news of every league including major league baseball nfl nba nhl combat sports esports and even golf BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. wrap up the pod i got a couple more guys i want to discuss and the first guy i want to discuss is chris davinsky and he's someone that hasn't um pitched a lot so far for the d-backs this year um let me see if i could pull up real quick how many innings pitched chris davinsky has he only has 4.2 innings pitch he's been good so far this year zero earned runs over those 4.2 innings pitch but the reason to know for me is because he was an all-star five years ago and hasn't been good since 2017 and he just perfectly fits that mike hazen model of someone being quality in the past but by the time the d-backs pick him up He's not good anymore, and usually the reason we're able to get guys like Chris Davinsky is because other teams didn't see a value in Chris Davinsky because they know he's probably over the hill. So the D-backs, once again, are trying to find a diamond in the rough, and I would rather just go out there and sign someone more substance in free agency or just develop someone through the organization. Like, I'm tired of trying to find these Hector Rondones and bring them back to life when we know they've been cooked for years. So Chris Davinsky is a no for me. Maybe he'll prove me wrong and just be dominant the rest of the season but I really don't care if he is and I don't want to see more of Chris Davinsky next is Kenyon Middleton and he's a hard C for me because very small sample size this year for Middleton but two earned runs in 11 innings pitch best walk percentage and second best strikeout percentage of his career so far this year against small sample size and unlike Chris Davinsky Kenyon Milton has been good recently from 2017 to 2020 when he pitched with the Angels. He had 95 innings pitch in a 3-4-8 year array. Like 2017 to 2020 is very recent. It's not just 2017 five years ago. No, as little as a year and a half ago, this guy was being a pretty serviceable reliever for an Angels organization who is in desperate need of pitching. So I don't know why they released him. But when you look at his Pitching Arsenal, mid-90s fastball and a slider that has been very effective this year. We don't have a lot of mid-90 fastball guys, so I love that from Middleton. This is someone who has been solid, um, like I said, recently, not that long ago, 2017 to 2020, unlike the Chris Davinsky's and the Hector Rondones of the world that Mike Hazen usually likes to um, sign. So Middleton, I want to see him get more opportunity once he comes back from injury because I want to see if he's legit. And then maybe Middleton will end up turning into 
into like next year Joe Mantiply if everything breaks right because the opposite end of that spectrum is Noah Ramirez who if you remember last year was really good when we picked him up off waivers and then kind of has struggled big time this year so for Milton I want to see if he's legit and if that momentum carry into next season then he's basically a Mantiply Kyle Nelson type and that would be huge for this D-backs bullpen who doesn't have a ton of um, reliable pitchers, Middleton can turn into that guy, then maybe we have three for next season and Mantiply, Cal Nelson, and Middleton. And then we'll see with, you know, the Ian Kendys of the world or whoever else the D-backs might bring up through the organization. Because next up is a guy who could potentially be a go-to reliable reliever in the future if he ever gets his stuff together. And I want to see him get more opportunity because this guy's getting a C, and that is Luis Frias. And Frias, listen, I know. The numbers are gross from Luis Frias. He's been crushed whenever I've watched him this year. Like, it has not been pretty. Luis Frias usually comes on the mound. It's time to flip the channel because it's about to get gross out there. It's about to get nasty. But in between those extra base hits given up by Luis Frias, the pitches he throws look nasty. Like, I can't lie. The man has incredible stuff, even though the execution is terrible. He's got movement on his fastball. His breaking stuff can be knee-buckling. The thing is... He, it doesn't strike out people. Like, his strikeouts per nine has been terrible. He walks a lot of guys, and he gives up consistently loud contact. So three strikes, basically, that you don't want your pitcher to have. But even with that being said, I just want to see him take these lumps the rest of the year. Let him adjust to the major league level. Throw him out there in games where the D-backs are down five runs. Or throw, throw him in games where the D-backs are up by five runs. He has to be given more opportunity because this stuff is too nasty. He's got the tools, but like I said, execution is a big problem. But with a guy like Brent Strom, he sees those tools. Maybe Brent Strom could pull the the pitcher, the ceiling, the potential out of Luis Frias. But in the end, we won't know. Luis Frias could be a guy that's better in theory than practicality. But on a team that's going nowhere, why not give Luis Frias the opportunities to see what he could turn into? Then the last guy I'll talk about before we wrap up here today is Tommy Henry, and he gets a C, but it's a cautious C because, of course, I want to see as many young players as possible, but with Henry, it's more about finding out what the fascination is with him because I know D-backs community, D-backs Twitter have been wanting to see Tommy Henry pitch on the major league level all season, and this is someone that was a second-round pick, so he's got some pedigree. He performed well in the AAA level this year, so I understand all that. But just going back to his career, like going back to college, he hasn't really put up like head-turning numbers you know, throughout his entire career. Like His numbers were good in college, but pretty average strikeout numbers for a guy who was drafted in the second round. He wasn't great in the Cape Cod League, if you care about that. And his stats were pretty mediocre his first two years in the minors until this year, so it's like... He's 24 years old. I feel like the D-backs were progressing him through the system just because he was a second-round pick and he was already in his 20s. But was he actually deserving of someone that should have been um, promoted throughout the system? I'm not too sure about that. And just when I think about the pitching archetype of a Tommy Henry, he's someone with a low 90s fastball. And the low 90s fastball pitchers that are, you know, the, the guys who are in their early 20s and are already topping out at 91 miles per hour, like, I'm just usually out on those guys. I don't think those guys could be real long-term pieces because I think their ceiling is too low. Maybe they could be number four, number five starters in your rotation, but I want guys that could be legit frontline starters, mid-rotation guys, and Tommy Henry, I just don't think he has that kind of ceiling because of his pitching tools, so maybe he could prove me wrong the rest of the season. That's why I want to see him get opportunity because I want to see him prove me wrong and maybe he ends up being elite despite not having elite stuff. But as of right now, he's more of a wait and see with me personally. Now, 
That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. I think we'll have Sully Baseball on the podcast because we haven't done our Mondays with Millard yet. He's had some issues, but I think we'll be able to do that tomorrow. And speaking of Sully Baseball, Go make his podcast, Locked On MLB, your second listen of the day. Of course, after making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen of the day, Sully Baseball, Walking Baseball Encyclopedia. You guys all know him, so go check out his podcast. Thank you for coming to Locked On Dimebacks every day. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.